Welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Mr. Ben Bateman. You know, I was going to wear a blazer, like I often do. I have it right here, mm. and I didn't put it on. Hashtag blaze it, hashtag spark it, hashtag 420. Yeah, so the illusion has been shattered. I won't be wearing a blazer. You're going to be getting me in my, this is my truest form, guys. The slicked back hair, just white tee. It's getting uh, so bad, the hair thing. I can't. It looks even good. Tell you. You're pulling I, it off. You, uh, you, you don't you be like so it? hard. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. I would I say have, on the scale of. Though. It's getting. It's starting to get real. Yeah, but no one can see that because we exist only from the front view in yes, Zoom. Yes. Um, so today we are talking about uh, two things, uh, uh, and and maybe one of them becomes the hot take. So check out for hot takes. They normally come out on Mondays uh, on Patreon, and then on Tuesday for the YouTube channel. Uh, and then the episodes come out every Friday. Um, and it is today we're talking about ramp and just what is the definition of ramp? Why is it so good? Why is it so good right now? How did it get to the place that it is? Is this the best moment in rap history? What's the definition of ramp? Um, what is a mox? Who knows? Uh, and then we're also going to uh, touch a little bit on gladiator magic, which is a new format on arena. Uh, ben Wheeler uh, tuned me into it and it is dope AF and I've been jamming it a lot with Michael and it's great and you guys should all play it uh, and we'll talk about that as well uh, as people who are big proponents of Highlander-esque uh, formats but uh, are hit with the fact that our favorite one is pretty unattainable for most people due to it involving significant investment and or uh, deck building effort. Um, this one's a really fun, easy one to get into and, and it's something that I've been jamming a lot of. Uh, but back to ramp. This whole discussion started uh, with me and Ben arguing over whether Mox Opal is a ramp card. Uh, and so we're going to get into that. And I think maybe really the conversation though started and Ben can explain his his position here is like how, why is green so good right now? And is it ramp? And is it just that they're so good at that and how that has led to the position we're in? So I'm going to let Ben break down his thoughts on that. Yeah, I think uh, I think the thing about it that's so interesting for us, and, and it's funny, you and I had to kind of work through our conversation to figure out exactly what the points for this episode were, because initially I was like, let's do an episode about why green's so good. You're like, we did that episode back in November. We just absolutely just that's a title less, of an episode. In our less than six months ago, we did. Yeah. Why is green's so magic? And I was saying that, you know, we talked about, you know, Oko, Primeval Titan, Once Upon a Time. These are some of the indicators that green and modern was really good. And well, I think that that's very true. And those those. One of those cards is Primeval Titan. And Primeval Titan, obviously, is... He's sort of more than a ramp card, right? He's ramp just threat. really... A what? A ramp threat. He's a ramp titan. He's a ramp... <laughs> yeah. Well, there are two ramp titans now. <laughs> They've doubled yeah. up. Um, but that being said, we were on in the, the... We do this thing called Tea Time at the Noble House, which is with our, our patrons at the uh, Exalted and the Storm Tier, um, where we jump in and we basically hang out and have a conversation for 15 minutes before we tape. And we just were in with Andrew Kelso. Uh, big salute. Well, not salute, but... No, we, we, pinkies uh, up. we pinkies up. We take a little... Pinky. We take a drink. We drink towards the Nobles. Pinkies up to Andrew Kelso. Mine. Ooh, nice LaCroix. Big fan of the uh, uh, passion fruit. Uh, Brandon S. Russell and Cam Albergini, um, who are the nobles of the House Modern. Thank you guys all so much for your support. But the point is, we were having a conversation with Andrew Kelso about this. And I was trying to figure out, like, what is it about that strategy that just seems to me when I watch it to be like, this is not something that I remember being as like defining of a part of magic, even just as recently as five years ago. Like, what's what has happened and what what is being pushed? And I think the conversation started, but it's not just about ramp. It's about the cards that we're ramping into. And I think Primeval Titan is way ahead of its time in that regard, in the sense that six is 
a lot, but it's not a crazy amount of mana. And the payoff you're getting is so much more than just a creature that costs six. You're getting two more cards out of it immediately. Plus, obviously, if you untap, it's just insane. So you think about that and you think about like examples of really expensive, powerful things from the past. Like let's talk about like the Myojin or World Spine Worm or uh, I don't know, even like Blightstill Colossus. Just really powerful things that were great. That if they just got countered, they don't matter <laughs> at all. And if you but you and you also if they're in your opening hand, you're like not very happy usually. A lot of the best ramp things now don't feel that way right that that kind of feels like they're they're scaling them differently so i don't know i don't know if i agree on where you're starting from right like i think that if you look at the best things to ramp to in modern and uh which we should we're a modern podcast i think they're still the same thing right it's still Eldra- uh, tron hasn't started not playing karn or wor- uh, a worm coil engine or or anything like that it's it the the primeval titan is still the best green card to put into play as soon as possible uh, using ramp effects, um, and maybe the other titans with with aren't that far behind. I think what to me has really changed is it's Wizard's attitude moving away from like the power level of searching for cards and putting into play, and and how that effect has one purpose, right? Like it's always going to get me a land in the play, but at the late game that's bad. At the early game it's good, and moving towards more of what uh, Uro does, right, which is the draw a card, put a land into play. Uh, or, or just putting an extra land into play per turn effect. And and this has been the thing that's been happening. So right now, like, literally three of the Explore effect have been printed in the last two years. And Standard right now are seeing significant modern play. There's there's Arboreal Glazer, there's Oro, and then there's Spiral. Uh, Growth Spiral. And, and all three of those effects, because they're weaker, because putting an extra land into play on the turn you, you cast it is a weaker effect than just getting a land from your deck and putting it into play. They have other pushed features about them, and all of them, in or two of the three, draw you a card. One of them has a 0-3 reach wall that just incidentally gets the block, but it doesn't have defender, so it can randomly attack if you were able to pump it. And then the other two are like legitimately powerful. An instant speed uh, cantrip and or one of the best threats in the format. And so, like giving by removing the power level of searching guaranteed lands into play extra for the cards but and then increasing the usefulness at every period of the game you've just increased ramps power level so much more for making it less powerful but more consistent and the consistency of that ramp card in the decks that they're in has has offered that kind of more than necessarily the threats you're ramping into now the fact that uro is a threat and the ramp spell this is a whole other conversation, I guess. But th- I think that, to me, is Wizards playing with this land archetype as something they like leaning into more and more over the last three years has been really, really interesting. And that's the modern playable ones, right? We're not even touching on the elemental from um, M20, the the blue-green one, yeah, whenever yeah, an elemental yeah, comes right, to which play. We, which largely just feels like an early version of Uro. Right, <laughs> right. Though, I mean, even though it's not, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, Shivan uh, Reef. Risen Reef. Risen Reef, um, yeah. And yeah, I, so I think I think for us to kind of properly address this conversation, I think it's important for us to go back with just a very brief history lesson of, of kind of, mod, of, of of ramp. Because the initial set, the very first cards printed ever that we're going to ramp were, you know, Lenore Elf, Bird of Paradise, uh, Wild Growth, right? Those are like the... And, and Wild Growth is basically what you just said. It's like, so if Averil Grazer gets you put to put a land from your hand into play, but also leaves you with a 0-3... Wild growth is exactly the opposite. You're spending a mana to put an aura on a land that if they were to strip mine back in those days or, you know, stone rain or 
even in these days, like Ghost Quarter or Field of Ruin, away your land, you lose that aura. So you're not getting a whole lot of like, you know, juice out of that ramp. So those are like the earliest versions. And then kind of as time went on, we got, you know, rampant growth was printed and other rampant growth style effects. Was I think rampant growth we, not in alpha? No. Oh, so really? Tempest card. Interesting. Cool. That's like the second phase, right? That's the second phase of like, okay, we want you guys to be able to search for cards. You know, Harrow is from around that time. Um, and I think those effects started to get pushed. I think the understanding now is that they would rather have you have to have the land in hand to reduce the consistency of the effect and give you your dinky little zero three to well, go with it. And I think you're missing a category, and this is the thing we disagree on, I guess, which is the mocks, right? And, and, and Black Lotus to a third extent, but I think I, I agree that Fast Mana is different than Ramp, uh, like like Dark Ritual and, and Black Lotus are a whole different type of card. But with the mocks in, and this is one of the reasons the green was the worst color in Magic for so long, right? In original Magic, and for a long time, green was just the bad car color for Timmy's, who didn't like actually competitive play and wasn't very good color. And, and part of that was because green's most powerful ability is ramp right it's gaining you uh, it's buying you turns for the cost of cards um by putting your more mana and, and resources in the play and it, for much of magic's earliest history artifacts were just way better at it which meant that every color could do that so if you wanted to get two mana on turn two every every color had access to 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 those and, and that even kind of continued throughout magic right you get into the signets you get into the mana vault you get into um what's the what's the signets and talismans you get into the talismans um and you get even to the, the the like enter the play tapped artifacts that for two mana that basically are rampant growth right every color had that, so to that end, actually, you're, you're, you're touching on a really interesting point here, because while the early green effects led you ram, and, and Bird of Paradise is a great card, so is Selenar Elf, right? Those are good cards. People still play those cards and cards like them. Um, whereas, you know, Wild Growth is not really something, I guess Utopia Sprawl gets played in one deck, but point being, the artifact ramp that you're talking about, Moxes and Black Lotus, something different. Um, Soul Ring that's a proper ramp card. That soul ring is a clear ramp card. And why? so is mana vault. So is why mana is, card. why is a mox not a ramp card, but soul ring is because you're spending mana to play them and they're giving you a significant increase. You're getting two mana when you untap them. Well, so those rampant, are like, rampant growth is a, the exact same increase as a mox. It just costs two mana versus zero. Right. But it costs you two mana. So you have to spend a turn and then untap to get the benefit, which is where I'm saying that Moxen to me are not well, ramp cards. Cause when I think soul about playing ring a mox, doesn't do that. Soul ring, you get the two mana immediately. So like like if Soul Ring is ramp, Mox Opal is not like I think all of these are ramp. I think if you the the definition to me of ramp, and I think this is based on the poll that I put before this started when we started this argument, <laughs> is Mox <laughs> Opal ramp? Such a jerk. You didn't uh, even tell me. <laughs> uh, is, is like ramp is if I put something into play, if I cast a spell and then the next turn I have one extra mana than I would have, or at that immediate moment I have one extra mana. It's just it's permanent, right? It's not something like a Black Lotus where you're sacking it. And there's an argument that fast mana is kind of ramp. We can get into that at another time, but well, I think we both wait, agree wait, that that's wait, not true. Because let me kind of finish my point here. And even if you disagree with it, let me at least finish my point. Okay. I think initially the intention was that all of those things, right? Whether you're talking about Soul Ring or Moxon or Black Lotus or an elf, I think the initial intention was these are the sort of ways that you can push ahead and you can ramp. That's what this is. Mm -hmm. And as time went on, it was clear Okay, fast mana doesn't actually serve that purpose. People are not putting down this mox to cast a seven drop earlier. They're probably putting this down to do something really unfair in the first two turns of the game and get way ahead and be oppressive. That at least 
at least that's what it looks like oh, when you look back at even it if you look at vintage now though like a lot of times they're used just to play a two drop on turn one or a three drop on turn two they're still but I would used. even argue but i would even argue that that just being a just being a turn ahead on turn one or turn two like a two drop on turn one is fast man that's not ramp but my point is as time went on and they moved away from that they printed wild growth or giant uh, sorry uh, uh rampant growth and then as they went on from there that's when you mention all the diamonds sky diamond and you mention cards like uh the like you know tooth of ramos those cards from from uh, mercadian masks and you mentioned signets and talismans like the idea that if you spent two mana for an artifact you could then turn that into one additional mana was much more of the fair cost right and it's much more on curve with rampant growth or some other effect like that and so that to me is like what ramp is now even if initially they wanted moxen to be ramp that's not what they represent anymore to me and i don't look at any any mocks that way i think that's wrong i, I don't i don't know how to like i mean and fine i i guess we can get past it more more the point is though that like why is green where did green fall into this right and 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 ramp before really almost 2000 until Zendikar was so much better in colorless spaces um, between, I guess, actually, uh, uh, Shards of Alar, like Noble Hierarch, right? That That's like the first time that signets weren't really legal in modern or uh, legal in standard in a long time. And then before that, there was the Talismans. Before that were the, 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 the other mana rocks that were available. Artifacts no longer were the color of ramp, and it became much more of a green thing and that's where green started this transition to becoming powerful right that's when primeval titan started getting printed that's when um you know the 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 first big ramp deck uh green based ramp deck that i ever kind of experienced was the valkut decks back in standard that um kind of ruined standard for me that's where i stopped liking standard was valkut ruined my vengevine based days <laughs> expedition and the um, likes yeah the are, and, and explore and and rampant growths and and just getting a primeval titan in as soon as possible and and you know that that type of green based ramp strategy then has kind of been a part of magic in some form of another for a long time often in the back of of, of that but even earlier this year there were the field of the dead decks um and and before that but i, I think it, it's been interesting seeing ramp move from colorless sources be it moxin be it uh urza lands be it what have you to um soul ring uh to green based sources that are either creature based ones that are very weak but can be played on turn one right the land or elves noble hierarch um even goose uh uh or into the you know traditional search ones or now which i think is the more pushed version of it because they have the ability to be more versatile the cantripping putting extra lands in the play um, effects and that that has really pushed this ramp effect much farther than it has ever been before and, and in a way that i don't necessarily dislike right like i don't hate that that's a thing you could do standard hasn't been dominated by these strategies modern it's very good but i wouldn't say that primeval time based decks have been in the top five decks for the last year and a half but have definitely not consistently been number one um yeah, I mean, I think Primeval Titan represents a style of card that has really become prominent. And actually, to, to back up for a second, because I think what you just said is going to go kind of clarify my point a little bit, which is I do think that like from a technical perspective, if you want to call a Moxen the same as a Rampant Growth, I mean, they all they they are increasing the amount of mana you can generate in a turn aggressively, so that they're all Ramp in that sense, right? I agree with you, and I hear what you're saying there. I think what I mean is that they don't print those cards now. We don't get Moxen. If they give us a Mox, they give us like you know, Mox Tantalite or something. And, or, or maybe they give us like an artifact Mox and that was like 10 years ago, right? But like Mox nowadays... Amber was, Mox Amber was Dominaria, right? That was a year and a half. Again, you have to jump through crazy hoops to get a Mox Amber. Like, sure. Like to, to make it work. It's not intended to be like, 
we're going to print this so that decks can just get ahead in the first couple turns of the game. They want that to be in green or they want them to be two mana artifact spells that that, that can tap for one. Like that's right. kind of the intention now. Uh, I, I agree that those you, effects are a mistake, right? I'm not, I'm not arguing that moxes are fine. I'm saying, in fact, one of the reasons that green was bad in early magic is because their strength was removed by having just cards that were better than green by being colorless and being free in Moxin or Sol Ring. Um, and, and, and even if you look at limited formats, uh, formats where you don't need mana fixing or you don't need mana ramp, like mana ramp isn't good, green gets worse. Uh, the last format I remember where green was the worst color in limited was Battle for Zendikar, and that's because there were Scions running everywhere and colorless mana magic mattered. So when green was no longer playable like it, it when green's ability to color fix and ramp no longer mattered and it just became like every color had access to these ramp abilities in the scion effect then green became worse and so there's almost a proportionality to green's power level and the power level of ramp in other colors and the color power level of mana fixing in other colors to a, a, a lesser extent and i think so now brings the next point of the conversation for me which is how the heck did green get so good and why did ramp become so good? And I actually see there are two answers to the question. The first one is that all that time when they were trying to get green to be better and they were trying to push green into ramp, basically, let's just say it's like pretty much 2000 to 2010 is when they're figuring that out. So it's just a little bit after Tempest, all of those mask sets, you know, Mirrodin, whatever. During that time, they were playing around with how to make green creatures better. And you can really see the change start to happen probably... It's probably like Thrag Tusk era. That's like about the creature that I can think of that I remember looking at and just being like, okay, so like for five mana, this does like an A, a B, and a C. Like it has so much more play to it in terms of what I'm getting in value. And there's earlier examples, right? Like Kitchen Finks is really good. And you can even go back to like the Urza sets well, and see cards uh, like Yabamaya Elder. I think I, I don't hate the idea that Primeval Titan is the switch here, right? I, I don't, uh, which is this two years before Thrag Tusk was printed. Um, yeah, it's around the same time, but yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. I mean, I, I think you could say that either one. I guess my point to just wrap up on Thragtusk is that Primeval Titan's a marquee card. That's like an all-time legendary card. And it was obvious when they printed those Titans, they wanted those all to be iconic, like insanely good for the time. But Thragtusk was just supposed to be a value card. That's why it's a rare in Primeval Titan's a mythic, right? Like, it's supposed to be a valuable creature, a good creature. It's a five-mana creature, and back in the day... Five mana for a green creature would have gotten you value if it resolved and you untapped with it, but it wouldn't have done the same thing. Like Thrag Tusk is just incidentally a difficult card to play with because you get so many things out of it. And that's that's like that's what you're getting in green if you ramp now, right? That's the beginning of what you're getting. That's just the start of it. Then you sure. flash forward to what we have now, and it's like a whole different conversation. Well, and and I think you know green's been powerful for a while now. I, I think the 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 it's new. I think the big new is that blue and green are getting along so well. Um and, and we can get into that in a second. Uh, but the like, you know, look at look at Shadow versus Innistrad had um, uh, the Landfall Clue green card that I'm forgetting the name yeah, of. Yeah, Tyler's, Tyler's, Tyler's Tracker, which is extremely powerful. Before that, you had the uh, Morph creature that would rebuy cards, and then the the Velociraptor that would come back when you would you would unmorph things. Um, yep, yep, and yep. then before that, you had Frights with Thrag Tusk doing extremely powerful things. Before that, you had Primeval Titan. Before that, you had Vegvine and Noble Hierarchs printing into Garrick's and everything going on then. So like, Green has had uh, a decade of of it being no longer the worst color in magic and white has, yep. I think we have it the week before we did the that green episode, <laughs> we had the white episode uh, and that's almost a meme. Now uh, Vincent Kenobi leans into that <laughs> pretty heavily. Um, and 
But with with um, green cards in general in modern times, why it's been that more next level. And I think what's really interesting is I really like that we did a top 10 uh, Simic card episode like right before this started happening. Right. Like our episode is 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 a top 10 bad cards because <laughs> because I think uh, we boggle one uh, slippery bogle one the the content, the top 10 list and the next card was our preview card, which was the the Simic Merfolk Lord. So yeah, arguably, yeah, right? Like, that was one and two, right? That that was yeah. that was clearly. And I don't even know if. I mean, like, I guess probably those cards both make the end of the top ten now, maybe. But like, they've yeah. legitimately printed almost ten blue green cards. Oh that yeah, are better. I think than we counted cards. them. Yeah, they they they, they bear, Bogle Bogle might make it. I don't think I don't think the Merfolk does. Um, we, it was our preview card. So at the time, who knew how good it was going to be? And it ended up that Merfolk going in the green wasn't really the best thing it could be doing. Um, but. I think that since then, they've increased the relationship of blue and green very thoroughly, right? There's a lot of very powerful blue-green cards, and the best color in Magic historically is blue. And now green yeah. is as powerful as it is, and when you put them together, you get this ability to just ramp and draw cards in a way that's extremely powerful. And so that relationship is, I think, what's different, is 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 no longer... Um, are black, green, or red, blue the most po- powerful color combo in Magic? But it's blue, green, and I think I think that's really what we've gotten to is that blue, green has become maybe too powerful, while those other color combos like haven't gotten as much gas. Well, I think yeah, blue, green. What blue, green has, and and this is kind of what we started the conversation with, is, is the scalability thing, right? Is like so, Hydroid Crisis can be a really good card for us to point to because I think that's a that's a pretty good indicator of kind of what they wanted blue green to be. You have to spend a lot of mana if you really want the thing to be a haymaker. But even if you don't spend a lot of mana, the scalability of those two things together is still going to get you something you're pretty happy with. But it's not like it's not like when you do play a Hydroid Crisis and you and you get it as a what? Because it's like uh, you get a two two flyer for four and draw one card, right? And then you'd gain one life. That's how it would work. I believe so. And I, I sure. think that's like, the, you know, that's that's the base level that you'd play it in standard at the time. And I think when that happened, it's like, OK, it's, that's not that good. It's like a little bit of life, one card, a two, two flyer, and it costs four mana. But the thing is, I believe and correct me if I'm wrong here, Hydroid Crisis is when you cast it. That's what happens. We cast a spell. You gain half X. You gain half X life and draw half X cards that's rounded down each time. Flying Trample, Hydro Crisis, there's a battlefield of X plus one plus encounters on. So it's blue, green, two, four mana. You get a two, two. You draw one card. You gain life. Right, but it's when you cast it. It's yep. not when it resolves. Yep. So that's like one of the first templating things where you can look at and be like, all right, so like obviously the whole point of this is that they they need they need this to not be counter and suck. And also they need it to be good early and good late. And that card at the time when it was printed, I think might have made our top 10 because I think it had just been printed. And even now, I mean, it's nowhere near as good as some of the other blue-green cards that have been printed. I don't think it had been printed. I think because spiral was, it's a year before it's a year after. So 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 when we did sure? the Simic episode, it was when we previewed uh Mistbinder. Mistbinder was oh, the preview oh, card we did for the next one. We did the next Rivals one. Of, of, of Rivals of Ixalan. Rivals of Ixalan. Yep. And then the next year Hydro Crisis was printed. And well, that was what was interesting, right? The, the, this card was printed, and at the time you're we like, this is insane. This card is better than every card on the list that we listed for best Simic cards. Like I wish this card was printed <laughs> a year ago. And almost immediately, like this wouldn't make it in my top 10 Simic card list. I wouldn't. I, mean, I, I Uro, Oko, Growth Spiral, 
and the 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 viper from the the flying one with neoform, neoform uh like <laughs> like there's there's so many powerful cards and, and hydro Christ just hasn't seen play right especially like uro has basically made it an unplayable card uro does everything yeah. that this card wants to do but better <laughs> i know uh, it seemed like at the time crisis was going to be everything but i guess my point in bringing it up is that the whole idea of, of that Revolution. card was supposed to be this is kind of what you're getting, right? This is what you're getting if you go into these colors. And I think also the idea being that if you've committed to these ramp strategies, now that, you know, if you do want to just play lots of lands and play lots of sort of grindy value cards that just get you there, then you'll go one for one, you'll go one for one, your opponent will have good things, and then you'll be the last one to draw a Hydroid Crisis, and you'll draw it, and you'll gain like seven life and draw seven cards, and you'll just like look at your opponent and be like, yeah, you lose now. Except <laughs> the and, game is over. And this is the other thing. And this Uro does this, which and Hydro Crisis did this as well, right? There's like that life gain thing that comes out of green as well. And maybe that's the thing to remove um, from their design space is I know if I play Uro, I don't lose tempo. I don't put myself in a threat zone because I, I've gained two life. I uh, have a, an extra card in play. So my next turn, I'm now ahead both by card, by life, and by... by um, by mana available not to mention i can also just then cast the uro from my graveyard on turn four using the cards that i've ramped into um the fact that that play pattern exists is i think one of the problems right like that's why this card has been outclassed is i don't need it anymore uh my card draw spells and my ramp spells and my threats are now all the same effect yeah i mean it's like it's like they literally took the four mana base level that you would spend to cast the hydroid crisis and they were like but actually, we'll make it cost three. <laughs> right. You'll gain a life and draw a card. And then the next turn for four, you'll get something even sweeter. Well, and 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 for three mana, uh, I get all the things I really wanted from the Hydro Crisis other than the threat. But at three, at four mana, the threat Hydro Crisis was, which was a flying 2-2, is bad. Yep. So instead, I draw two cards because I draw the card I draw off of Uro and I have an Uro in my graveyard. And then on my next turn, and this, you know, doesn't get into any of the shenanigans you can do with Uro. On my next turn, I can cast that Uro. I can cast something else. I can play another Uro to get more lands and more life. I, it's, it's, it's fascinating how Uro has so cool, like outclassed Hydroid Crisis. And, and, and to, to kind of my point, and, and, and it'd be interesting. I'd love to hear what uh, people watching this think. And if you could comment below, uh, also subscribe, also hit the bell, also do all the things that every YouTube channel tells you to do. If you're listening on iTunes, uh, just review us. We'd be cool to get some positive reviews. <laughs> uh, but um, we'd love to hear what your thoughts. Do we think Green's issue is not issue. Do you think the power of blue green that we're running into is more of a threat based thing where the fact that now their threats are so much more powerful and they can ramp to them, uh, uh, allows them to get these powerful threats is the issue. Or do we think that, um, uh, the ability for these, just the power of level of ramp and the power level of the versatility of the ramp has kind of leaned them into it. Or is it both? Uh, we'd love to hear what your guys' thoughts are below in the comment space. Well, also just just like a little tiny bit of context, because I know a lot of our listeners are are newer players or players that maybe have even played for like five years, but like don't really know kind of a little bit of the history of it. Green, even as recently as like those modern years, the like Mirrodins and the and the like uh, time spiral years, even in those days, a four four for four mana and green was something that was like considered pretty good like a like green green two for a four four trample was like a rare in some sense like that was something and if, if a four four trample like ravenous bailoff i think is the one from uh, i think it's from onslaught from just before mirrodin i think it like gained four life when it came into play and if your like opponent was gonna have you discard it it would come into play and you'd gain four life no that, 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 came that, came, that was that was like m 
I'm going to say 13, but going to be beat by it. Uh, that that's was more all, recent. Yeah, that's obstinate Bailoff. Oh, I mean, basically, like, obstinate Bailoff was like a step up from ravenous Bailoff. I'm sure. Like, those were considered, like, defining creatures at the time. You go forward a couple years to Theros, and it's like, okay, now we've got Pelucranos, and it's a 5 5 for four, and it's legendary, and it has some cool ability. Do you remember how it's not it's- even. Do you remember how excited we were for for leatherback Bayloth? Leather four five Bayloth, for three. This was like for three. the card people were talking about in Worldwake. Like it was this and Jace. These are the two cards yeah. that people were excited about, and it just like I think that's something that Wizards learned right too. They've been like pushing the power and toughness of green creatures just more and more, and they've never been good. Like we now get like six six demons for four, and like they don't see play with flying yeah. and trample. Right, so like the fact that that's Compared to old magic, where like Sarah's Angel is the best creature ever printed, yeah, uh, is really funny and, and a little bit of both ends, right? It's because partly because the power level is higher, like just removal spells are much better for creatures, um, but also just that like power and toughness doesn't matter. You need value when you play a creature. <laughs> As Andrew Brown has told us before on the show, they want you to be able to play more magic, so they want Uro to be useful on three and useful on four. They want your charms and your split cards to be decent on one, but also pretty solid on four. They don't really want you to spend multiple turns where you've got like three drops and four drops and you just can't hit that land drop. And all your cards are so one dimensional that they're only good if you cast them and they resolve and you untap. That's not fun because good players don't let you do that. They counter things and they bounce things and they flash things in and they eke you out and then they win with tempo. And if, if blue tempo decks were the thing that always won in magic, the game would fail because not every player likes to do that. Some players like to do that. I love to do that. But if that was the only way you could be good at magic was to win by countering things and, and getting you for the last three points of damage, magic just wouldn't work. It's not it's not interesting enough if that's the only way you play. Yeah, sure. Diversity of gameplay is always a benefit. You just don't want one consistent strategy to be the best one. And that's, I think, what they've done really... One thing they have done recently really well is making sure that that's not true necessarily and, and and even standard. I think that was their issue. And one of the reasons power level is spiked so high, right, is 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 they realized in Ixalan block that um, th- like power level was low enough. Just like mono red was the best deck for almost two and a half years. And they don't want you don't want that. That's bad for magic. And And the fact that. Oko is so powerful, but then before that, Field of the Dead was so powerful, but then Uro is so powerful, and now Fires of Invention has been powerful, and, and Loros is now powerful. Like, they're, at least, like, in the last year, the type of strategy that has been the best strategy in every format has gone everything from Is It Phoenix to uh, 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 Fires of Invention playing Planeswalkers. So, like, there's there's been a variety of, of power levels in, in different play styles. I think the the exhaustion the world has is kind of safety in eternal formats. I think that's actually where maybe the biggest issue is, is that there there's an interest in stability in those formats. You want to be able to pick a deck and play it for your life uh, or, or at least for a couple of years based on your in, uh, uh, investment. And due to the power level of standard being so high, it feels like those later formats are almost rotating uh, with every set that comes out, like what's good now in modern due to the companions is totally different than what was good uh, during the Uro post Oko ban world, which is totally different than what was good when Oko was legal, which is totally different than what was good during um, the period between o- uh, uh, the Hogak ban and or the Faithless Living ban and Hogak ban and, and Eldraine and then totally difference between uh, Modern Horizons and then and, and like literally every 
Like <laughs> the funniest one is the 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 line between War of the Spark and Modern Horizons, where there was less than a month, and the difference between those three formats of pre War of the Spark, War of the Spark, and Modern Horizons is insane. I don't I don't even know how do to really like, describe it. Do you like grindier like three drop four drop magic? Where yes. like you're getting enough value and cards in life and you know reusable effects that you know like the, the we're talking about, but also cards like Season Pyromancer and Solemn Simulacrum and uh, like is that your uh, Kitchen Finks? Is that like your favorite type of magic? I think that a format where Kitchen Finks is good is a good format. How about that? I mean, okay. and, and or that type of effect, right? Like uh, uh, if Birthing Pod is your best deck, you're not actually in a bad place. Now, Birthing Pod homogenizing a format has its own issues, but if the like a three drop into a four drop into a five drop combo is like is the power level you're looking at i don't think we're in a bad place i think um yeah and i like i love tempo i like diversity i mean, I, I do think that that is what i'm looking for and i guess more my point for this rant is more diversity is good and diversity of power level and power and the power of threats as long as they're different is really cool and good um and just the 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 like holding on to magic over the last year has been almost exhausting uh, as far as 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 an internal format player right where every single season i mean we play highland and this will be a segue into the highlander conversation i want to have for the second half of this episode but um you know highlander roulette this is a format where like vintage cards are legal right like the, yeah. i have to deal with tinker uh into blight steel in every deck i'm playing and I've like had to totally reinvent the wheel five times this year. Um, every single set that comes out is like, oh, there's like six cards to thirty cards that I'm printing out and and trying to play test with. And yeah, like the 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 weird window where everyone thought Neoform and Car need to be banned, right? Between between more of the yeah. Spark and Hogak being print and, and Modern Horizons, and that like weird period where everyone's like Modern Horizons is going to be bad. None of these cards are good. And the world we ended up afterwards is like so hilarious looking at my Facebook memory. <laughs> it's weird that Neoform was like this quick, quick boogeyman. Like it seemed like there was no question Allosaurus Rider was going to get the ban hammer. And it's like Allosaurus Rider getting the ban hammer. Are you kidding? Um, I guess the, my last question for you on this before we talk a little bit about this, this other Highlander format is. So I mentioned that, you know, we don't want blue tempo decks to be the end all be all. We don't want those decks to win every game because it's not fun. Well, if I'm a blue tempo player and I want to win by doing that, but your cards all have value when you play them on three, but then you also get value when you play them on four. And then you also get value when you top deck them late game to get tons and tons of catch up. Is that too good? Cause it's pretty hard for me as a tempo player. Like, is it, you know, if Delver's not good in modern, but Delver style deck, a Terramander deck, whatever you want to call it. It's pretty hard for me to outrace uh, like a like it, it was extremely hard to outrace an Oko. That was impossible, but it's still pretty hard to outrace just an Oro. Like it's pretty hard to outrace uh, the the Rakdos deck if they're just uh, croaking you over and over again. Like you lose your hand, you're losing your life. And this is and this is the argument for unbanded Splinter Torn or Faithless Looting, right? Like like the because because I would argue you had your the world was your oyster six months ago. Right. With is it yeah. Phoenix being the or not six by a year and a half ago where is it Phoenix with um, um, thing of the ice just being the best deck in the format and pure like almost purely a tempo deck where you're just keeping your opponent off of stuff as you gained value through the cards you were playing and eventually were not bu- able to build a, a, a an army of flying three twos. Um, so that I, like 
I think I think it's a pendulum too, right? Like like and, and diversity of removal. Like like as these cards are becoming more powerful, there's a reason. In fact, died right. Removal got so powerful in modern with fatal push, uh, Pat Exile, lightning bolt, all, all being available. Not to mention assassin's trophy and abrupt decay. The fact that Jund like can't decide which removal it should be playing <laughs> in, in any given tournament yeah. is fascinating. Um, and, and, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that yes, those cards are hard to fight through, but they have their own bad matchups. And, and as long as th- those bad matchups are good matchups for the tempo deck, be it control decks uh, uh, or other things that you can kind of keep off of putting threats down, then I think you're going to find space. Um, and that's the point of format diversity, right? You want, not just rock, paper, scissors, but you want rock versus paper versus lava versus meteor versus earthquake versus tornado versus all the other dumb stuff I made up as a child <laughs> trying to beat my right, friends at rock, right, paper, right. scissors. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think diversity leads to health and, and diversity will lead to the, uh, the more diverse the format is, the more diverse decks can be because you have a higher chance of having good matchups and, 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 and bad matchups become equalized. Or your deck is bad, right? Like, that does happen. Like, there's going to be strategies that just aren't good. I'm never going to live in a world where, like, value-based mid-range dredge, even though it's maybe my favorite, like, singleton format or or, or dumb format mechanic uh, or play style, never going to be modern playable, right? I'm never going to, like, get out, like, put a Hedron Crab into play and mill some Venge Vines and some other cards that I can save for mana to draw cards and then win. It's always going to be like, well, I should just be playing Dredge. <laughs> right, um, right, right. Which is now a combo deck and does something very more streamlined and different. So uh, if there's a pendulum, I don't know. That's uh, But I mean, where you can play strategies like that are in, you know, these Highlander formats, these more eternal ones. And so um, I know we wanted to talk about this other format. And then this, I think this will be this week's hot take. You were talking to me about this. You were introducing me to this format. So talk to me a little bit about it. Yeah, so 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 um, uh, before we get into this, I do want to do a little bit of our shout outs. Uh, uh, first, make sure, um, once again, thank you to all our patrons. Uh, make sure to check it out. There's a bunch of new stuff there. We do release a whole, uh, uh, the full video, the whole episode. Um, it's either video or audio, I always forget. Um, with no edits, so you get all of the weird swear words or things that we say are wrong or things Marshall deems boring or exciting and wants to save for you guys and, and, and all, all of the weird beginning of the episode things that we go through getting ready. Uh, you also, if you, some of the higher tiers, you get private access to us. We do this cool chat every week um, and some other cool stuff. Definitely check that out. X to the Discord. Um, we also make sure to follow us on all the social media. I'm at Kess Wiley everywhere. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media and check out Nerds and Suits, which is my brand new channel. I just launched youtube.com slash nerds and suits. I've got long form interviews and this uh, music movie series I'm doing. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. The music stuff is really cool. I, the, the, there's People should remember that you are musically gifted. Uh, and then um, also make sure I, I do Twitch streams once a week uh, at twitch.tv slash Kess Wiley. Um, the links are all here, but you can also see our names. It's the same everywhere, finally, uh, as I explained in an episode before. Um, and, and yeah, so 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 um, Ben Wheeler, uh, also a streamer, magic personality from LLR Canada. The Great North uh, <laughs> tuned us into to me into this format, and it's really, really, really fun. And there's a whole Discord for it. We'll put a link uh, uh, below. And basically, um, 
it's it's what I've wanted on Arena for a while. So, you know, Brawl exists on Arena, which is the Commander uh, uh, Arena format where you have a Commander, but 60-card decks, only standard legal cards. And Historic exists on Arena, but Historic is a weird format. It doesn't really have support, and it's it's what decks are consistent are, are, are odd, and the way they print cards into it is very different. Um, so they've come up with a format that is basically, it's Canadian Highlander. Without the rules, because there's not that many cards that need to be banned or unbanned. But it's Canadian. It's, it's a Highlander deck, 100 cards, all singleton, no sideboard, um, so no no removed from games or no no uh, out of the game zone. So companions aren't legal, commanders aren't legal, uh, and no wish boards or anything like that. Uh, you play well, and, and no sideboard. Companions are legal just as themselves, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't play them as companions. You can yeah, yeah, you yeah. can only have them included okay. in your deck and and. Um, hundred card decks, uh, best out of three games, uh, which is uh, fascinating. I, I haven't played too much best out of three singleton, which has its own kind of cool dynamic to it. Um, and um, every card on arena is legal. So if there's a printing on arena, it's legal. That includes the weird uh, arena exclusive cards, like the white six drop that draws you cards whenever you play a creature. Um, to the the historic format printed directly cards. So that's like Thalia. Uh, there's like three historic anthologies by the end of this Fauna month. Shaman's Fauna in Shaman. Um, and then uh, Night of the Reliquary, big fan. <laughs> um, and then uh, down to and including the um, uh, like the weird brawl specific stuff. So the brawl uh, decks, of course, but then also uh, Get Rod Monster was printed into the format uh, through like a brawl event. And um, uh, uh, Reese the Redeemed is another one that uh, I remember. And there's, I think, a few more. Um, all these cards are legal. Uh, and so you just play best of, best of three, uh, 1v1, Highlander uh, competitive play. And it's a it's a blast. It's kind of what I've always wanted. I think Arena is now big enough where there's enough cards um, that you can do these larger uh, singleton formats. Cutting cards even to this is difficult. I have, I think, two lists right now with 150 cards and getting down to 100 is, is as challenging as any other deck building format. Um, and there's just like all these cool strategies. I have a land ramp one. I have, or a lands based one. I have a, a birthing pod, more kind of focused one using fiend hunter, uh, and Night of the reliquary and all this other cool stuff. Um, yeah, we should probably play it and stream it, right? Yeah. Me and Michael, me and Michael, uh, I guess we didn't end up playing cause I built Legos yesterday <laughs> for star <laughs> Wars day. Um, but, uh, we have plans to, to play and stream, uh, soon. Yeah. That'll be, I guess, Wiley, but it's, it's, um, so, and what's cool about it is it, you know, we play a lot of Highlander Gauntlet, which is a Highlander format that is is a little bit more difficult to get into, but um, just from, you have to have six decks, singleton among all of them and getting the power level right. But the ability to play something similar to that online in a way that's really easy to jump into is really cool. Yeah, it sounds really awesome. I mean, there's no fetch lands, so that's a thing. Um, there, So the mana base is a little bit more like reasonable and it's you know it's your check it's like your check land meets shock land mana base like we're kind of used to yeah check i definitely... think legal are checks shocks uh temples and um the 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 trilands those are like the main mana fixing of the format currently that's the mana fixing oh, system I mean, and just barely missed the enemy color fast lands right because kaladesh yeah so kaladesh is not on it ixalan is so you, it, it's the sets that are legal are ixalan uh, rivals dominaria ixalan block dominaria uh uh m19 uh x uh eldrain m20 theros and 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 the most recent set i don't think i missed anything 
right? Like uh, Kaladesh and Amaket are not legal. And it's kind of, it, those are the two set. I wish Amaket was legal. It'd be really cool to get all the cycling matters cards together. Uh, uh, just because all the, like, that's the one thing I was building is like, Oh, all this cycle stuff is going to be really good with all those Amonkhet cycle cards. And then none of them are legal. So I was sad. One, if near. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think at some, at some point those cards will get put into yeah. modern, I would think. And they've um, said their plan is to like, do like, um, especially during slow seasons, flashback drafts to introduce them into, into yeah. arena. It's really cool. We've been playing a lot of games. Michael has like 12 decks built, so we'll, we'll talk about wow. more as the format goes. Um, but we're here to encourage Ben and all of you to try playing it uh, as we get more games in, um, and we'll link to the Discord below. Uh, it's really fun. Uh, just single team formats in general are really great, right? Partially due to that kind of consistency, right? Like a, 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 the, la- the diversity of even gameplay within the game is so high because every card you draw is different. Every game you play is totally different. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think uh, I think that largely wraps up this week's episode. I do want to just take a quick second. I know I know we had talked for a minute about Patreon and we we did the shout. I just want to take a quick second to plug it to let you guys know that you know in these more difficult times where everybody is spending time at home, we are doing our best even during this to upgrade the podcast. I have this awesome mic in front of me. Um, obviously, we have a producer and an editor, and we're we're just trying to do everything we can to kind of rise the product and it's really helpful to have you guys on board helping us do that that's the that's the best way you can help us and support us in doing that and we are really serious about doing it so if you've ever thought about it even at the one dollar level the two dollar level anything you've ever considered becoming a part of it give it a shot we're really having a having a good time with it and trying our best right now to next level the patreon as well and make it awesome for you guys to be a part of the community um so yeah i just wanted to give uh, one more of those but thanks to everybody for watching this week's episode absolutely much appreciate the support and uh we'll be back same time same tame, same place. Same tame, <laughs> same place, same channel. <laughs> and I want magic tournaments to come back, man. Ah, I miss. Oh yeah, magic fest. Same. And I'd, I'd kill for a command fest right now. That's how desperate I am, you know. Yeah, I, I would, I would any type of social experience with other people. I'd actually, I'd love to hear that from everyone watching. How are you dealing with Corona? We, we, we're really excited you're able to listen. Hopefully, this is entertaining in your time of being stuck uh, at, at work from home. Um, I know we're we're figuring it out and, and getting it through. I exist in Zoom and Discord chats as a human now. Um, I might not even exist. All I know is we both have great hair, though. I mean, uh, thank you know, <laughs> thank God that our hair just keeps looking great and glorious and way too long um though the back the back fluffs are problematic um i've lost 10 pounds which is kind of interesting you'd think i would gain yeah um it ends up that me eating giant lunches and dinners every day was not good for weight loss weight loss versus me eating like a sandwich and nice bowl of healthy cereal and then eating a home-cooked meal versus eating out every day is good for you Apparently, yeah. Who would have known? Definitely has its, uh, definitely has its, its drawbacks in, t- in the old waistline. Right, right. And then um, make sure uh, to follow, subscribe, like all the things below. Make sure to comment. Make sure to share this with your friends. If you have a friend who plays Magic and doesn't listen to us, be like, "Yo, go share it." You should listen to you this should, podcast. You should listen to this podcast. Yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts on all the things we discussed. Is our moxes ramp our uh, threats better than ramp ramp better than threats or etc thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you guys next week and bye bye guys this has been a production of time traveler media sending podcasts into the future